And uh, while they're heading out, I'll just remind you of uh, this week we have our trunk or treat and chili cook-off. And uh, even, if, even if you are uh, not going to do a trunk, even if you're not going to prepare chili, I just want to make sure that, that you have received the invitation to please come. Uh, it is our opportunity not only to be together as a faith family and to have a great time together, um, but it's also an opportunity for us to, to see and to meet and to begin to build relationships with people in our community. You know, we do three big outreaches a year. This would be uh, one of those things. And, and we desperately uh, want to fulfill our mission of connecting people with the hope of the gospel. If people come to the Trunk or Treat, it's their opportunity to get a taste of Bat Creek. And if you personally are not here, then they won't get that taste in its fullness. Um, I'd like to ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles, and if you don't have one, there should be one in the pew close to you. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love for you to take uh, one of those pew Bibles home with you as our gift to you. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 22, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 22, and we're going to be looking at verses 34 through 40. Uh, Once again, we're in a series looking at the two great commandments that Jesus gave in response uh, to a Pharisee who was an expert in the law who asked Jesus the question, which is the great commandment in all the law? In other words, this Pharisee, who is an expert in all the commandments that God gave, he says, of all the over 600 commandments in the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, which command is the single greatest command that God has given? In other words, What is the greatest thing that a human being can do? What is the greatest thing that a human being in their one life can give that life to? And in his answer, Jesus takes a summary of the whole law. All those 600 plus commands condensed down into a summary, which is the Ten Commandments. The Decalogue that God gave to His people Israel on Mount Sinai through Moses. And Jesus takes the Ten Commandments, a summary of the 600 plus commandments, and He condenses them down and gives them to us in a summary of two commandments. So it goes over 600 to 10, and then from 10 to 2. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God covers the first four of the Ten Commandments. And love your neighbor as yourself covers the latter six of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments sum up the entire law. And Jesus sums up the Ten Commandments with the two great commandments. And rightly says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And what Jesus is clarifying here for us. That what God desires from us, what the God who created us wants from the people that He has made in His image is not mere rote and religious obedience. He wants love. He does want obedience, but He wants an obedience that is not rote and religious, but an obedience that flows from our love for Him in every part of who we are. God wants us to love Him with our whole selves. He is calling us not into rigid and rote religious practice. He is calling us into relationship with Him. He has loved us. 
He has loved us beautifully. He has loved us consistently. He has loved us faithfully. He has loved us unbreakably as our Creator and as our Redeemer. Our greatest and highest good. And for our good, He invites us and commands us to respond in love for Him and for others. And I would just ask you today, do you have a relationship with God? Do you love God? Last Sunday we talked, amen. And last Sunday we talked about loving the Lord our God with all our hearts. And what we talked about that meaning is to love God with our innermost being, the, the center of our spiritual lives. And this morning we're going to talk about what does it mean to love the Lord our God with all of our souls. So if you'll look with me at God's Word, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And if you are able, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's Word. But when the Pharisees had heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You inspired it by Your Spirit. That You preserved it by Your Spirit. Lord, that You have given it to us in a translation into our own language so that we can hear it, so that we can apprehend it, so that we can believe it. And Lord, I pray today that You would allow Your Word to penetrate deeply into the soil of who we are, Lord. That we might love You with our whole heart. And our whole soul, our whole lives, and our whole mind, Lord, that we would be captured again with a vision of you as revealed in your word, as our creator and our redeemer, our greatest and highest good, Lord, that the love that you have shown to us in so many ways, but especially in Jesus Christ, would fill us up to overflowing, Lord, so that we might love you with all that we are. And love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, whatever obstacles exist this morning to loving you with everything that we are, I pray that you would remove them. Lord, if they are our sin, uh, if they are our struggles, Lord, if it's the preacher this morning, would you help all of those things to move out of the way? And Lord, let your word speak to your people that we might love you as we ought. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in this series, we've had to do a little deconstruction to understand what it is exactly that Jesus is uh, commanding us. And we started with deconstructing the concept of love as we have known it and as we popularly use it as uh, pleasure or enjoyment that we take in something or positive emotions that we feel toward some person. Uh, What we've seen is that Love in Scripture, love in the words of Jesus, is not merely enjoyment or pleasure or the emotions that we feel. It is something deeper. 
then uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, one that if, if I see it on, I, I will never not stop and watch the movie Forrest Gump. Um, and in that movie, Forrest becomes friends with a little girl, uh, and he eventually, uh, maybe even immediately, falls in love with this little girl. What's her name? Jenna, right? And, and Forrest, uh, while he goes through all kinds of different things in his life, and he's separate from Jenny a lot of that time, he always loves Jenny. And at one point, kind of late in the movie, Jenny comes to stay with Forrest. And, and one night... He just can't take it anymore. And as she is heading up the stairs to bed, he says, Jenny, will you marry me? And Jenny turns and looks at him and says, you don't want to marry me, Forrest. See, Jenny thinks that Forrest does not want to marry her because she knows that her life is an absolute wreck. That she has made terrible choices, some of which were her own, some of which came from a terrible upbringing that she lived in. But she knew that she was not worthy of the kind of pure love that Forrest had for her. And she realizes that she's only going to make his life harder. So she says, you don't want to marry me, Forrest. And Forrest looks at her and says, I am not a smart man, but I know what love is. And I think We think we are smart, and we think that we know what love is, but the reality is Forrest knew what love was. See, for him, love was not merely the positive emotions or the enjoyment or pleasure that he could get out of Jenny. It was a deep and enduring devotion and commitment to her that no matter what she did, no matter how far she ran, no matter whether or not she returned the love that he had for her, he was there. And that's the kind of love that we see the Lord Jesus not only teaching, but embodying. When the Lord Jesus, on the night before the cross, says, greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends, and the next day, He goes and does just that very thing. That, my brothers and sisters, is love. Love. According to the Apostle John, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Love is devotion and commitment that is costly and transformational. And Jesus tells us in in this text that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our souls. And just as we had to do a little deconstruction with regard to love and with regard to heart, we also have to do a little deconstruction with our concept of soul. As well, I think we generally think of the soul. Actually, I don't really know how we think of the soul because typically um, we kind of think of the soul as something that is indefinable, right? Something that we can't really describe. We just know that it's there and there's some reality to it. But we typically think of the soul as the spiritual part of who we are. And that is certainly true. Uh, We think of the heart as our emotions and affections. But what we learned last week is that our heart is not merely our emotions and affections. It is the very center of our spiritual lives. It is the spiritual organ where God witnesses to his own existence and love for us and where we love him in return. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And thankfully, the Greek helps us a little bit understand what is meant here when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. The Greek uh, word here is Suke. And I had somebody afterwards say, oh, suke, suke. Okay, that 
is... But the Greek word is suke, and it means more than the spiritual part of who we are. It means more than merely our spirit, something ethereal that we can't describe and can't touch and can't see. Listen, in in Mark 10.45, Jesus is speaking, and he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his suke as a ransom for many. Now, how do we translate that? We translate that, and to give his life as a ransom for many, even though this is the very word that he uses for soul when he says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. John 10, 14 and 15. Again, Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my suke for the sheep. Again, we don't translate that, I lay down my soul. We translate, I lay down my what? Life for the sheep. Mark 8, 35, verses 36. And here you will see both in the same text, again, Jesus speaking. For whoever would save his suke will lose it. But whoever loses his suke for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his suke? Right? So whoever would gain his life will lose it. And whoever would lose his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Life and soul are used interchangeably as translations for suke because Jesus is not only talking about the spiritual part of us when he says soul. He is talking about the whole of our lives. True life, which includes both physical and spiritual Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down the whole of himself at the cross. He laid down his physical self. He laid down his spiritual self, fully God and fully man, as a ransom for the whole lives of his sheep who are both physical and spiritual beings. So many times we talk about how Jesus has saved our soul. And we think we're talking about the immaterial part that we can't really describe. No, Jesus did not merely save your soul. He saved everything about you. And everything about you except your sin is going to be present in the new heavens and the new earth with a resurrected body. And God's people need to say amen. Amen. Loving God with all of our hearts is about loving Him with our innermost being, the organ of our spiritual life. And we do that, we talked about last week, by obeying the first two commandments. To not have any other gods before Him. To knock down the idols of our hearts. And also to refuse to recreate Him in our own image. Loving God with all of our souls is about loving Him with the whole of our lives, physical and spiritual, and for practical help in cultivating a love for God with our whole souls. I want us to again look at the Ten Commandments. I want us to look again at the Decalogue, this time at Commandments 3 and 4. And and those are, respectively, you shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. What we see in Jesus' summary of the Ten Commandments. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And what we see in the Ten Commandments. First, two things. The first one is this. To love the Lord our God with all of our souls. We must honor Him with the reverence of our lives. 
to love the Lord our God with all of our souls, all of what we are, physical and spiritual, we must honor Him with the reverence of our lives. Our names matter. And our names matter because typically a name is given to communicate something about a person. Uh, hope, you know, usually it is the hope that parents have for their child. So it, when we became pregnant with each of our four uh, children, well, I say we, but we all know it was my wife, right? So uh, we have our four children and, um, and, and the first one is born and we name her Avery. And it means wise counselor. And we name her that because our great hope is that like her mother, she is going to be wise in this life and give good counsel to others. And then we have Ella, a a baby that we, we waited for for more time than we thought we would. And we named her Ella and it means beautiful light. And if you know her, it's accurate. And then, and then Noah Kate came along, and we named her a Japanese name. I have a deep heart of love for the nation and the people of Japan. And I just I heard this name while I was there, and I think it's beautiful. And so we named her Noah, which means love. And then Isaac comes along. And we named him Isaac, and it means laughter. Because after three girls, when they told us that he was a boy, what did we do? We laughed. And then also he has brought uh, laughter into our lives, both appropriate and inappropriate. And we're thankful for him. (laughs) Our Our names mean something, and we see this in Scripture as well. When people encounter God... Uh, There's sometimes a change in their life that is so radical that God himself then changes their name to reflect it. So you have Abram, a pagan who is hanging out by some trees, a a Gentile, right? Because there are no Jews yet. There is no people of God. And you have Abraham or Abram, and God comes and he makes a covenant with this man. He says, I'm going to be your God. You are going to be my people. You and your offspring after you. I'm going to make you a great, I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to be, make you a blessing and I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you some land and in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And now, by the way, your name's not Abram anymore. It's Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And Jacob, his name means deceiver. He wrestles with the Lord one night and he holds on to the Lord and, and, and he says, I'm not going to let go unless you bless me. And the Lord, which was his intent all along, blesses Jacob and at the same time touches his hips so that he is um, disabled for the rest of his life as a sign that he wrestled with God. But he says, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is now Israel, one who wrestles or struggles with the Lord or the angel of the Lord. Simon is called personally Peter by Jesus because it means the rock. And it is his confession of Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, that is the rock on which Jesus has built his church. And then you have Paul, who was Saul and had a great reputation. He was very well thought of as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, as one who was so zealous for God that he persecuted the church of Jesus because he believed Jesus to be an imposter. And when he becomes, he meets Jesus on the Damascus Road, becomes the greatest Christian missionary that the world has ever known, he begins to go by a name that means small and humble. The name Paul. Names matter because they communicate something about the person who bears the name And what a remarkable thing it is that God, the Creator, 
has given us His name. He has revealed His name in history. He has revealed His name in Scripture. Yahweh, it means I am. He has revealed His name, His identity, in the exact representation of His nature that is the person, Jesus Christ. And through His life and death and resurrection on behalf of sinners like me and you, Jesus has been given, according to Philippians 2, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we encounter God, when we realize that we are sinners who need to be reconciled to a holy God and that Jesus alone is the one who has accomplished this reconciliation for all who believe, no matter who you are, no matter where you are from, no matter what you look like, no matter what you have been through, no matter what you have done, He has given you His name, which is now to characterize your new life in Him. You are now in Christ. And we use His name to characterize ourselves, don't we? If someone asks you, where do your, where do your allegiances lie? What religion are you? What is your answer? I am a... I'm a Christian. I bear the very name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And taking on this name means that we must consider how to reverence His name. To not misuse or take His name in vain. Our lives, our suke, the whole of our lives, reveal what we honor and reverence. And loving God with all of our souls means reverencing Him with the whole of our lives. And I'll just take two pieces of that. The first, reverencing the Lord. Loving Him with all of our souls means reverencing Him with our words. Reverencing Him with our words. The obvious first meaning of this commandment is that we not verbally misuse or abuse the name of our God. You know, there are many saints in our congregation, many senior saints in our congregation for whom I have the utmost respect. Some of them are here right now. And I'm just, I respect them so deeply because they have walked with the Lord for a long time and they have done They've done so through trials that I can't even imagine at this point in my life. And they continue to persist in faith. And and you know what? I have such respect for them. I would never use their name in a derogatory or condescending or mocking way. I would never, I can't even imagine using their name as a curse. And I don't think you could either. So honestly, people of God, what does it say about His place in our souls and the honor and reverence that we have for Him if, oh my God, rolls off of our tongues easily and naturally and flippantly? Jesus Christ. Or even taking the holy and awesome name of our God, our Creator and our Redeemer, and pairing it with a curse word or an oath. I swear to God. We need to reverence the Lord with our words. We need to reconsider how it is that we speak and speak about His name. 
The second thing is we need to reverence Him with our actions, with our deeds. We bear the name of Christ. So do our lives, do our priorities, do our choices, our behavior, our thoughts, do they reflect a reverence and honor for Him from our souls to the God who made us and redeemed us? Do we use the name of God in vain by claiming to be His? By showing up to put a good show on Sunday mornings and then living the rest of the week as if we, in fact, are the lords of our lives? The Westminster Larger Catechism says that the third commandment prohibits the maligning, scorning, reviling, or any opposing of God's truth and ways, making profession of religion in hypocrisy or for sinister ends, being ashamed of it or ashamed to it by unconformable, unwise, unfruitful, and offensive walking. Or backsliding from it. Our mouths speak the very name of God. They do so with honor and with reverence from the whole of who we are. Our lives speak the very name of God. They do so with reverence and honor from the very being of ourselves. To love the Lord our God with all of our souls, we must reverence Him with our lives, in word and in action. The second thing is this. We also look to the fourth commandment and see that to love the Lord our God with all of our souls, we must honor Him with the rhythm of our lives. We honor Him with the reverence of our lives in word and action, and we honor Him with the rhythm of our lives. Here's the fourth commandment in full. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Lord established a rhythm at creation that He gave to His people as a gift and as a blessing to them. Doesn't it sound good? Rest! Brothers and sisters, why does it sound so good and yet we so adamantly refuse to do it? While Jesus waits for us saying, Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you what? Rest! The Lord gave it as a gift and a blessing, but He also gave it as a sign to the world that His people were different from everyone around them. Not only the reverence of their lives, but even the rhythm of their lives proclaimed something about them and about their God. Keeping Sabbath showed that the people of God trusted in God so that they could withdraw from and rest from their normal activities, trusting that God would provide for them and care for them, and that honoring Him and keeping this day set them apart and demonstrated to them and to the watching world that God was enough. Keeping the Sabbath is not only about rest, but about demonstrating with our lives that God is enough for us. It's about loving Him with our souls. In the New Testament, we see that the timing of the Sabbath, it shifts 
since creation, it has been Saturday, the seventh day of the week. But following Jesus' death and resurrection, Christians begin to gather on the first day of the week, Sunday. And they do that because old creation had an old Sabbath and new creation inaugurated by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead begins and inaugurates a new creation. So new creation, new Sabbath, and that Sabbath is the Lord's Day. It is Sunday, the first day of the week. Now obviously Jesus Himself is our rest. And it finds its ultimate fulfillment in Him. Because of Jesus, we can stop striving by works to make God happy with us because in Christ, Jesus is unchangeably happy with us and delights in us. But we are called to love the Lord with all of our souls by demonstrating our trust in Jesus through the rhythm of our lives. And I would ask us, do we keep Sabbath? How do we keep Sabbath and the rhythm of our lives? And really just the answer is no for most of us. So where do we start? Where do we start to keep Sabbath? Listen, we have no desire here at Back Creek to unnecessarily uh, burden the consciences of believers with extra biblical commandments. Right? Jesus is, is constantly uh, challenging the religious leaders of his day because he says they are burdening the people. They're tying heavy burdens on them which God did not intend for them to bear because they are commanding them things that God himself did not command. But to love the Lord, with, the Lord our God with all of our souls in light of this command must mean more than giving our Lord and our God an hour on Sunday morning. I think again, the Westminster Larger Catechism can be helpful to us. It says this, the Lord's day is to be sanctified. That means kept holy by a holy resting all that day, not only from works that are at all times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as on other days are lawful and making it our delight to spend the whole time, except so much of it so much of it as to be spent in works of necessity and mercy in the private and public exercises of God's worship. And to that end, we are to prepare our hearts and with such foresight, diligence, and moderation to dispose and seasonably to dispatch our worldly business that we may be more free and fit for the duties of the day. When I hear that, uh, I think, Wow, that seems pretty intense. I got to give God not only this hour, but all the day. And then I think of how many times, y'all, I have driven hours and then tailgated for hours and then sat in the stands for hours in all kinds of weather to scream my head off to the point of losing my voice for hours, only to drive hours back home to spend the whole day honoring something that will not last for eternity. And it's not just football. There's so many things that we give ourselves to so much less than we give the Lord His Sabbath. And then we realize that we're loving something with our souls that when we hear that, 
makes us react defensively and reflexively to the idea of building our lives, our suitcase, around a rhythm that declares to us and to everyone else that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I find that when I do give myself to a rhythm that feels inconvenient, it's a gift from God to me. We can cultivate a love for God with all of our souls by intentionally honoring Him with reverence for Him that characterizes our life, all our words and all our actions, and a rhythm to our lives that regularly declares His worship. Brothers and sisters, the truth is that we are going to fall short. That we are not going to love the Lord our God daily with all of our souls. That is absolutely our goal because it is the greatest thing that a human being could ever do. It is the great commandment in the law that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. But we will fail. And when we do, where do we go? And I hear the psalmist Preach the gospel to his soul. In Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope in God. When we fail to love Him with all of our hearts and all of our souls, as we will, we remember and we rehearse and we revel in the hope of the Gospel for those who fail because Jesus, the Lord of all, did not fail. He honored the Lord with reverence in every single word and every single action and every single thought of His entire life. Not only did He keep Sabbath week after week throughout His entire life, reminding us that the Sabbath was that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. He Himself became our Sabbath and free Freed us to worship Him and reverence Him in our very souls. The whole of our lives, physical and spiritual. Brothers and sisters, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Let's go to Him in prayer. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. Your living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ who spoke to us. Lord, thank you that that is preserved in your written word, the Bible. And Lord, I pray now that your word would do its work in the hearts of your people. Lord, please do that work in me. Lord, that I would love you, that I would reverence you, that I would honor you in my words and in my actions. Lord, in keeping your day holy, that I might declare to myself and to the world that you are enough. Oh Lord, would you cultivate in the hearts of your people a love for you that drives everything that we are and everything that we do so that, Lord, we might be about the mission that you gave us, connecting people with the hope of the gospel, making disciples of all nations. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and respond.